Disneyland Devoted. I am your host, Michelle, and I'm super glad that you're here. I hope that you're having a fantastic day, a fantastic week. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. I'm so glad that things are starting, just starting to get back to normal just a little bit. So this week's episode is for the week of May 31st. Oh my gosh, tomorrow is June. I can't even believe it. But we've got a lot of exciting things to talk about today. So um, first thing I want to get into is some housekeeping items. So I've been busy trying to um, start my habit again of posting to Instagram on a regular basis. And the Instagram is Disneyland Devoted. So if you haven't checked me out there, please go check out my posts, follow, comment, love to hear from you. I love to post my pictures and videos. I have so many and it just brings me such joy. So check me out on Instagram. Also my Patreon page at Disneyland Devoted as well. I really appreciate support of this channel. Um, my, I have so many great ideas and thoughts around the content I want to bring you. Of course, I have so many years of experience, so many stories, tips, things I want to share. But as we've talked about in previous episodes, there's always something new and exciting happening at the parks. And while I don't live right next to Disneyland, it would make me so happy to get there every month at least and bring something new and exciting. And you'll see on my Patreon page that one of my goals is to start a series where I eat and review at every single dining location at the entire Disneyland Resort. That means hotels and downtown Disney and Disneyland and Disney California Adventure. I mean, I have experienced a lot, but there's so much there that I haven't. And I want to bring you that. And I want to stay at the resorts. And I want to give you firsthand, recent, updated, current experiences on the amenities and what the resorts have to offer. And I want to bring you information on downtown Disney and new attractions that open and just all of the stuff that just keeps happening as well as experiences and all of that unfortunately does take you know a fair about amount of money and the best way to support this channel and continue that content is to support me on my various social media and Patreon, and I just really would be forever grateful. So Patreon is Disneyland Devoted. And then also I started a Facebook page called Disneyland Devoted. I know, very original, shocker. And I posted a question out there um, today that I would love to start some commentary on, and it's about when you think you'll feel comfortable visiting the Disneyland Resort. You know, maybe you've never been there before and you've just kind of been holding on and waiting until you get to go there for the first time and then this whole pandemic happened and so put those plans off. Or maybe you did frequent there regularly and you just haven't been able to go. But everyone's different and everyone has different comfort levels as to when they will feel that it's safe for them personally to head back and that's an absolute personal choice and I just really want to get that dialogue started. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you're thinking. Um, Of course I'll chime in and comment. Um, I'll tell you right now that I'm chomping at the bit. Uh, I, I definitely understand the concerns. It's a very large place with a lot of people and um, that kind of this kind of goes right into the the things that we've been hearing about Disneyland opening and Disney World. I hear more about Disney World first, but I just have to assume that Disneyland is right behind that. But let's just kind of talk about those things and I'll intermingle that with my thoughts on the subject and when I feel comfortable for me and for my family. But I know that they're um, watching closely what happens at Shanghai Disneyland and how that was working and man day one of course they sold out their new capacity and Disney's pretty tight-lipped about what that is 
anyway, what capacity is on a regular day or in our old normal, and then what our new normal will be. But we know that they've been talking about a reduced capacity number, and I think that's a very wise choice. Um, You know, there's a double-edged sword there, right? It's fantastic that there'll be less people in the park. That's a safer, you know, healthier type situation. It does make the park experience more exciting when it's not so crowded. However, it's going to make it more exclusive, right? Will I be the lucky person who gets to go there? Will it be based on those staying on property? If you're local to Disneyland, which a lot of annual pass holders are local residents there, you know, you're not going to stay at the resort. So is that going to be impacted? Or, you know, just can anybody go to Disneyland? What if I don't want to stay on property? What if I don't need to stay on property? Will I not be able to go? How will that look? How do I ensure that I can go to Disneyland? And will we get to see that in advance? Will it be where you, you know, you get your tickets online, which is fantastic, But then, you know, they can turn you away because they've reached capacity. And so it's just like those unknowns on how you get to do that. I think a fair amount of people will keep their distance for a little while. I mean, we saw that when Galaxy's Edge opened up. That was like supposed to be so huge and have such an enormous amount of crowds. And they did so many things to prepare for that with, you know, widening pathways and introducing virtual queues and just the reservation system and all of these things they did in preparation of ginormous crowds and it didn't happen. Yes, I think some of their efforts played a role in that and it definitely helped manage the crowds that were there, but based on what was anticipated, not as many people went. And I think there's a lot of us out there who will forego that novelty of being the first there like I totally respect that I've talked about that in previous episodes I think that's amazing to do that and what a wonderful feather in your cap to say I was there the day that this happened the first day I was in line you know those are all wonderful things to do but a lot of people aren't comfortable with that crowd presence right and they would rather wait until the crowds die down and so I'm thinking that we're going to run into that when Disneyland does open. There's going to be many people who will keep their distance for lots of reasons. Crowds, health and safety issues, uh, financial. I mean, let's not forget that many people have been impacted financially from this pandemic. And Disneyland can be a luxury just the pricing is so expensive and so that may not be high on people's you know priority list or even their ability to go so I think those things all play a factor into whether or not it will be hard to get in there I hope to be among the uh, folks that get in there uh, sooner rather than later I hope to get back to the resort Um, What I'm hearing is that Disney World is looking to open up July 11th. I have not heard that Disneyland is doing the same, but let's just pretend for sake of this podcast that it was opening up July 15th. I would not be there July 15th, but I will probably be there in August I probably will give it a couple of weeks, see how the process works. I like to do my research. I've heard they're going to introduce virtual queues, um, which if you aren't familiar with that, that's all based on the app itself. So like when Galaxy's Edge opened up and Smugglers Run and then when Rise of the Resistance came along after that, you, you entered the the queue to get into Galaxy's Edge and then to get on those rides through a virtual queue through the app, which was a really great introduction. Um, Maybe some foreshadowing. I'm sure they appreciate that they were able to work out that process before this pandemic happened. But nonetheless, you didn't have to stand in line with a queue of people, a whole bunch of people. You could get your queue number virtually, kind of like a fast pass system where they tell you to be back at this particular window of time. 
and you could go about and do other things and then come back during your window and then get on the attraction. And that's just a smoother process and that allows you to do other things, whether it be another attraction or it be dining or something like that. And in the case of Rise of the Resistance, people were standing in line for rope drop, getting their virtual queue, and they and they didn't have to be back for like hours. So then they were going back to the hotel because they, you know, just like rolled out of bed literally to stand in line for this. And they could go back and get some sleep, take a shower, or they could go, you know, about their day at the park. And so I'm hearing they're going to introduce a virtual queuing process when the the parks reopen i've also heard over on the disney world site again lots of stuff about disney world i just have to assume that that's you know the first in line there but they've canceled days and disney have canceled fast pass reservations and dining reservations and all of these things to kind of start with a clean slate for crowd control and health and safety issues um, i know they're introducing more cl- uh, cleaning processes, wiping down the attractions after you've been on it. I've heard the requirement of wearing masks, which I know is not comfortable all the time, but you know, Disney has the right to require that. And I know that's going to make some people really unhappy, but it is a very safe, um, it is a, it is a way to be safe in that large crowd, not just for yourself, but to keep you from unknowingly spreading any, um, you know, the virus or any other uh, sickness or illness that you may have that you don't even know that you have. And I know we've, you know, people have talked about this since the beginning of the pandemic is a lot of people don't even know that they have the virus and they could be unknowingly spreading that. So wearing a mask helps reduce that. I believe they're going to introduce some sort of temperature check just to see if you're running a fever. So all of these measures that they're going to try to implement to reopen the park, and they've been very clear that you enter at your own risk. So, you know, people who want to go to Disneyland, Disney World, whatever, and you choose to do that, if you should, God forbid, become ill then you can't sue Disneyland or Disney Corporation because they're telling you up front that you enter at your own risk. So, you know, that's that's a kind of that can be a touchy subject, but all these things together are what will make opening up the theme parks, you know, a, a possibility. And the way I personally look at this, is besides the fact that I want to go, obviously, but there's a lot of people who work for Disney who have been financially impacted, who this is their livelihood and they want to get back and they want to, you know, they want to do their job and they want, you know, a steady income again and all of those things. And for them, I want them to have that opportunity. And I want to feel like we're getting back to something normal. And just the pleasure of going to theme parks of any kind, obviously Disneyland being the top of my list, but there's other parks that I just absolutely adore. Universal Studios, SeaWorld, like other theme parks and other big venues that were just a part of life that I kind of took for granted before this. And I'm anxious and excited to see that maybe some of those things are coming back. So please go over to Facebook. Give me your thoughts. When will you feel comfortable going back? Are you going to be one that wants to be there right away? Or are you going to sit back and kind of watch? Are you going to wait for a vaccine? Like, what are your thoughts? And again, everyone's opinion should be respected. Everybody is different. I value everyone's opinion and I want to hear from you. So Disneyland Devoted Facebook page, check that out. So the last piece of housekeeping is I also want to start incorporating your experiences, your memories, your favorite topics. So I'm inviting you to send me an email at michelle at disneylanddevoted.com. Again, that's michelle at disneylanddevoted.com and share your happiest best memorable experiences at the Disneyland Resort. And I want to start sharing those on my podcast. So please send me that story. Send me that experience. 
I'll share whatever you want me to um, in the way of personal information. And what I mean by that is like your first name. Um, if you don't want me to share your first name, I don't have to share it at all. Of course, I wouldn't share any legit personal information. I just mean if you want me to say, hey, Susie from Colorado sent me this story, then that's what I'll say. If you want to say, if you want me to say, I received a listener's story with no name, then that's what I would say. But regardless, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your experiences. I want to know what stood out for you, what your favorite attractions are, a memorable moment when you met a character, when you went and celebrated a special occasion, your very first time you went to Disneyland, whatever the case is, I want to hear a happy, special, memorable experience, and then I want to be able to share those on a future podcast. So again, send me an email at michelle at DisneylandDevoted.com. All right, now let's talk about our next uh, land, which today we're going to talk about New Orleans Square. It's not a super huge area, but it has some really special things in it. So as always, we're going to start from the hub. So once you get into the uh, main entrance and you walk down Main Street right in the center. It looks like the center of a wheel, the very hub of the park. That's the um, that's our starting point. And New Orleans Square is going to be to your left. And you the fastest way to get there is to go through Adventureland, which we talked about that one last week or I think a couple weeks ago in the last podcast. So you walk through Adventureland and then bam, you're right there in New Orleans Square. But what makes New Orleans Square so cool, in my opinion, besides some of those signature attractions and eating places, is the architecture. I love the way it looks. It looks like New Orleans. I've been to New Orleans. It has that vibe, the music, the colors, the Mardi Gras feel at all times, but it's also right in front of Rivers of America, which makes it such a pretty, beautiful area. I just love it in there. So once you pass Tarzan's Treehouse, which Tarzan's Treehouse is in Adventureland, once you get to the other side of that, there you are in New Orleans Square. And the very first thing you come to is Pirates of the Caribbean. That's how you know you have arrived. It's right there. And it's awesome. And it's it's kind of interesting because as you're walking past Tarzan's treehouse, you can either go up over this little walkway and come back down, but Pirates of the Caribbean would be below you. Or you can kind of walk around that Uh, walkway which is kind of going down a hill a little bit and then at the bottom of that hill which is at the level of rivers of america is pirates of the caribbean and you can enter right there it's super cool in there it's kind of a fun little queue line Uh, the thing about pirates that i love and, and there's other attractions throughout the park that has the same thing is it's always moving like you don't stand still for a very long time The opposite of that, in my opinion, is Peter Pan's flight. You just kind of stay in one position for like two minutes and then you move a little bit. And then you stay in one position and you move a a little bit. That's not what happens at Pirates. It's always moving because those boats are so big that they bring in so many guests at one time. And then it moves on and then the next boat arrives. So you may be standing in the same spot for like 30 seconds if that And then you're moving along in the line. Most of the time, in my experience, if it's not like Christmas time, if it's not, you know, in the middle of the day, you can walk on pirates really easily. I highly recommend you hit that one first thing in the morning because that one is... It can get pretty lengthy, but it's so cool to just kind of walk on that attraction. Now, if you can't do that and you go later in the day, just know that, you know, the line, the wait time can be long, but it will, you'll just keep walking. And they do shorten the queue line. Like if it's full blown, this is really crowded. There's so many twists and turns in the queue line once you go through the, like the, 
archway that says Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, it goes around the buildings and stuff. But then, sometimes it's so backed up even beyond that that it's, like, down New Orleans Square a bit more towards the Haunted Mansion. I mean, it can get really, really crowded. And... There is no fast pass at this moment for Pirates of the Caribbean. When they open back up, maybe there's a virtual queue that they will introduce for all the attractions, but it didn't have a fast pass option. So you really had to wait in that long line, which is why it was really best to do it first thing in the morning or late at night so you can have a better experience to walk on. This is 100% indoors once you get on the attraction. Um, The last part of your wait time is indoors, which is kind of a cool thing. You kind of walk in as the boats are finishing their their ride and so you can kind of see people coming off the ride and it's kind of cool and it smells so cool in there because it's got a lot of water and tropical things going on in there but the majority of the the queue line is outside but the attraction is 100% inside so again it's one of those breaks to get out of the elements out of the heat out of the cold so that's a really great option it is a lengthy ride. It's like 10 to 15 minutes long, worth every flipping second of it. It is classic. Um, obviously, that is one of the most popular rides there. Um, it doesn't have any holiday overlay or anything like that. Uh, there's fun things like um, Captain Jack Sparrow is in several different places, so you want to be watching out for him. If you followed Pirates of the Caribbean, you know that over the years, They've, they have made modifications to make it a little more um, PC, I'll say, with um, some, some pushback from many guests. But, you know, some parents and other folks didn't like some of that, you know, bad pirate behavior happening um, in the ride. So they made it a little more, air quotes, family friendly. So there's been some modifications there. Uh, they're kind of subtle. I mean, yes, if you're familiar and you know what was there. And, and for me, I always look at those specific changes and remember what was there just because I've seen it so many times. But if you've never been on that attraction or you've only been in there a few times, there's so much to look at and see that it kind of gets just blended in there. It's totally fine. They do update it. They do clean it and, re, you know, refurbish it. It's very nice. Um, it's just one of those great rides. Now there are two drops in there. One of them is much bigger than the other, but it's a little bit of a drop. If you have someone in your group that isn't really that crazy about that. I have someone in my family who hates to drop and this one doesn't bother him at all because it's kind of fast and, um, you do get wet, um, which is kind of cool. Again, really great when you're, when it's hot, you don't get wet like Splash Mountain, but you could get wet. So keep that in mind. Um, And just like a warning, I said this in a previous episode, but I did go on this attraction with my daughter when she was two. It was her first trip there, and um, she was scared. And it's funny, I didn't really think about it from her perspective because I've been writing it so long. It's like you're so excited to show them all these things that, you know, are... favorites at Disneyland and classics and all the things you want to do and it's an all ages ride so anyone can go on it there's not a height restriction or anything but I didn't really look at it from her perspective until she's right beside me and she's hiding her face um, in my side because uh yeah guess what pirates are a little scary (laughs) and there's loud noises and there's you know it's like chanting going on throughout and so like when you really look at it from a young person's perspective it can be a little dark so just kind of keep that in mind but it is amazing so anyways that's the very first thing that you'll run into if you come in to New Orleans Square from that direction and then right next door is a fast um, quick service location for dining it has a little seating area nothing huge Um, That's probably one of my biggest complaints about this section is there are some places to eat besides the the big sit-down restaurants, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. But there's carts. There's this Royal Street veranda that I'm referring to that has uh, bread bowls where you can get like clam chowder or um, broccoli cheese soup in a bread bowl. And they sometimes have seasonal offerings, so definitely check out their uh, menu 
when you're going to go. But there's not a lot of places to sit down and eat if it's a very crowded day. Not in that immediate area. But right across the way and kind of around the corner is the seating area for the Riverbell Terrace. And right next door to that is the Stagecoach Cafe. And they all share the same covered, um, well, I should not say covered. They have tables that have umbrellas. Um, Riverbell Terrace is a sit-down restaurant now, so you can't just walk into any area. But right adjacent to that, kind of on the same patio, same look and feel, but a little bit down the way uh, um, a hair is the Stagecoach Cafe, which is quick service. And so you could sit there and eat your bread bowl. Um, back by Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a lot of half walls, like planter box walls that are kind of raised up. You can sit there. A lot of people just sit right along the way there. That section right in front of Pirates and then slightly to the left um, is, or if you're looking at the ride, Pirates of the Caribbean, slightly to the right, Right there in front of Rivers of America, which is such so beautiful right there, is like where you sit and watch Fantasmic. Um, or you can uh, just sit there and watch the, um, you know, the, the steamboat or the pirate ship go by. But Fantasmic viewing is right there for later in the evening. So it's kind of a, a wide open spot. So there's not a lot of fixed places to sit. So it's definitely something that you want to kind of, in my opinion, I would recommend that you kind of figure out where you're going to want to sit. If you can't find a spot in the actual Royal Street veranda to have your bread bowl, where you want to kind of go and sit elsewhere to enjoy that um, because it is a little bit of a challenge. Then right next to that is the beginning of some shopping areas and then the two big dining experiences right there. The the sit-down high-end restaurant. There's a couple other dining too. So right in that shopping area, which is so stinking cute, the first thing you're going to run into is Blue Bayou is right there. And if you aren't familiar with Blue Bayou, that is one of my absolute favorite places to go and my family's as well. I've been going there since I was a young kid. It was such a privilege. Like if we got to go to Blue Bayou, that was amazing. It's a restaurant actually in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and I absolutely love it. It is dark in there. It's so dark that the menus, which we didn't realize when we were there. So I'm going to give you this tip. We didn't realize until after we ordered, but when you open up the menus, there's a little flashlight built into the menu so that you can turn that on and it illuminates the, it flashes right on the menu and you need that. It's very dark in there and it's because it's really in the swampland part of the ride. So it's all about the ambiance, but it is so cool in there. Some people are not a super fan of like the food offerings. It's Cajun, but it's really pricey, like really pricey. In my opinion, in my family's opinion, it's worth every penny. The food has always been super delicious. The ambiance is second to none. It's such a cool experience. Um, I've taken my family, like my mom and dad, when they would take me when I was a kid, then in return, I took them when we were grown up. Everybody loves it. My daughter gets um, a light up cube to go in her light. I mean, in her drink rather. And it's kind of like, it's, it, it reminds you of like a, like a firefly uh, because it's so dark. And then you have this one little spot of your glass that's lit up. It's just so good. Now it doesn't have a ton of menu options. So big, big, big tip here. A couple of big ones. Number one, you have to get reservations in advance and before this pandemic, Disneyland would only do up to 60 days in advance. And I can tell you that I would wake up at three o'clock in the morning on the 60th day to make my reservation and not be able to get my first choice. Blue Bayou is extremely, extremely popular. So you definitely want to plan in advance, set your calendar, get in there and make your reservation, assuming that that's the process when this all comes up and it's back to normal. But it's a super popular place. The second thing is do your research, look at the menu on the website or on the app and look at and see what they're offering. They have um, lunch and dinner is about the same offerings, but the prices and the portion sizes are different. 
Um, it's, but you definitely want to look at that because there's not a ton of kid menu options. So if you have kids, we've taken my daughter. She's a picky eater. She finds something to eat. It's not a problem, but it's still limiting. And then even the you know main course, the adult meals, there's not a ton of them. They're delicious. There's a variety like a fish, a vegetarian, a steak, a pork, you know, a chicken, that kind of thing. But there's not a ton of those options. So you definitely want to do your research. Also, Blue Bayou was part of the dining package. If you were going to go to Fantasmic, you could get that dining package where you go and you eat at Blue Bayou for a set prefix price and a prefix menu, and then you get VIP viewing to Fantasmic in one of the later shows. They usually had one at like 9 o'clock and then again at 10 o'clock. So that was a really great option to be able to go to Blue Bayou and then get a really good seat for Fantasmic. So check that out. Hopefully that's an option when this all comes up Um, But really a great experience to do that. I am a huge fan of dining packages. And I will do an episode on those kinds of things when we have done uh, dining packages on both sides of the park. When we did Skyline Lounge. Like I am a fan of those. I think they make for special occasions. And you know sometimes it's a one and done. I did it. I don't need to do it again. Sometimes it's a oh my gosh I want to do it again. But I'm a huge fan of that. So if you like that, Blue Bayou is one of the dining options for Fantasmic. Um, the uh, other one is escaping me now, and I'm looking it up as we speak. It's the um, Hungry Bear Restaurant. I couldn't think of the name of that. But anyway, that is a, a less expensive option for that dining package for Fantasmic. But anyways... Blue Bayou is definitely an option if that's something that you're interested in. And it's such a great place. Now, of course, I've seen people walk up to the restaurant and get in, but their wait time may be really long. They may also uh, not have an opening until 8, 9, 10 o'clock. So you could keep that in mind. And then the last thing I'll say about that is ask or request to have water view because then you're right next to the ride itself. Oh, and I could I lied. I do have one more. And then there are some folks that like to do this. I've seen it a couple of times and it wasn't successful for them, but people on the ride will ask for people in the restaurant to throw them a roll, like because you get like dinner rolls or um, with your meal, like they come to the table. And I guess it's a thing to chuck it over to the people in the ride. I don't know. I wouldn't recommend that. It's kind of funny. When I've been there, nobody did it. But they tried. I'll give them credit. They must ask like 10 times, but nobody would do it. So anyways, Blue Bayou, really recommend that. But it is it is really kind of a special occasion because it's really pricey. But right there, as you like right where the entrance to Blue Bayou is, is like I said, the beginning of this shopping area. And there's cute little shops all around. I mean, there's like a perfume shop and a crystal shop and a Disney merchandise shop and a Pirates of the Caribbean shop and just like really cool, like a a little boutique that has fun, like clothing and, you know, handbags and stuff like that. And so they do change periodically. So it's just a nice place to walk through and look at the different shops. They're not super huge. So keep that in mind. You don't have a ton of room. And I say that in case you have a stroller or a um, wheelchair or something like that. You can navigate there, but it's a little tighter. It just kind of looks like something you would find in New Orleans. And then also, just because I think it's important to pull to uh, point this out, as you're walking through that, at the other side of it is the uh, restroom in that area. So that's important. So if you get to the shopping by Pirates of the Caribbean, there is a restroom tucked back in there so you can hit that. And then if you didn't know this, and I don't know if I ever said this, I think I did in a previous episode, but if you have the app open, you can select restrooms and it'll you know use your, your uh, location via GPS and it'll tell you where the restroom is close to you. So that's very helpful if you're not familiar and you need to hit the restroom. It'll also tell you, you know, dining and things like that. But I find the restroom to be extremely important. So also right there, which is kind of in the front 
of this shopping area, which has the best view of Rivers of America. And one of my favorite places to eat besides Blue Bayou is Cafe Orleans. And that is the same type menu options and offerings as Blue Bayou, but not as expensive because it's not in the ride. It's still pricey. It's not a cheap option, but it's not as expensive as Blue Bayou. And it's an amazing, amazing place to eat. They are so known for their Monte Cristo and for good reason. It's delicious, but that is 100% a shareable meal. It is so rich and so big. It is supposed to be a sandwich cut in quarters, but each quarter is like, and it's deep fried, and each quarter is like a half. Like It feels like the size of a half a sandwich, so you definitely want to share that, but they're known for that. They have one that has the ham and the turkey, and then they have one that's just cheese. Those are delicious, but they have a lot of other great options. And in a previous episode, I did a review on Cafe Orleans when we went there, and I talked about what the my husband and my daughter and I each got and what was pros and cons and all of that. It is so good. Cafe Orleans is great. It's also pretty popular. So again, much like Blue Bayou, I always would try to make a reservation at the 60-day mark, and sometimes I wouldn't get my first choice. And sometimes we'd have like a spontaneous trip, and I'd try to get a reservation, and I couldn't. Other times, I could be there in the park, and I always try leading up to a visit and on the day of, because people cancel and things open up and whatever, and sometimes I've been able to get in. So I'm not saying that if you can't do it 60 days in advance, forget about it. I'm just saying that if you can plan ahead, that's your best bet to guarantee. But if you don't want to plan that far in advance or you're not sure what day you might be able to go or what's going on, there are options. We have been able to get in on the same day. The restaurant itself is covered. They have an inside and an outside. I recommend the outside. Of course, it depends on the weather and what's going on. But it's right in front of Rivers of America. It has the best view and the walkway, people walking by. It's a great people-watching location. You have the New Orleans music in the background because you're outside. You can see the Haunted Mansion right there. You can see everything around. Oh my gosh, that is such an amazing, amazing location. And the dining, of course, is terrific. So check out Cafe Orleans. Check out their menu. It is also Cajun. They have fun stuff too, like jambalaya and um, gumbo. And then they have their beignets for dessert. Oh my gosh, we all love beignets, or most people do. My daughter actually doesn't know that I said that. We can't even understand that. But anyway, definitely check out uh, Cafe Orleans. Then a couple other dining locations that are quick service and a little bit easier and they have their own fun uniqueness is right next door to Cafe Orleans and a little closer to the Haunted Mansion and a little closer to the New Orleans Square station for the train is the French Market Restaurant, which is also Cajun and has um, a, a little bit different offerings there. It's a, like I said, it's quick service. It's not as expensive. It's a nice place to eat. It's a really cute courtyard area, has cute um, theming. Like I said, it's right next to the train station. It has a beautiful view of the Haunted Mansion and the Rivers of America. It's a little tucked back there, but it has things like Louisiana beef stew, corn chowder. It has po'boys, which are good. Um, well, they're they're delicious. Um, it has jambalaya. It has roasted chicken. It's just a less expensive option if you don't want to do the sit down at Cafe Orleans or you don't want to go high into Blue Bayou. You still can have that Cajun experience. Not as many options, but still a lot of fabulous options for a fraction of the price. So definitely check that out if you're interested. The restroom is right next to um that section there. And like I said, it's right next to the New Orleans Square station um, for the train. So right there. But then part of that, it's like almost one in the same. I mean, yes, they are two different locations, but they have the mint julep bar. And of course, you can get a non-alcoholic mint julep. They do not serve alcohol in Disneyland, except for at the cantina over in Galaxy's Edge. 
um, which you have to stay right there in the cantina. Or if you're lucky enough to be part of Club 33, you can get alcohol there. But just as the general place, there's no alcohol. So it's a non-alcoholic mint julep. And if you're familiar with those, that's something you may hear from the Kentucky Derby. It's very Southern, that kind of thing. But they're really good. And you can also get them at Cafe Orleans and in Blue Bayou. Um, but there's a mint julep bar. So if you just want to go get that, you can get it there. And like I said, it's like really part of the French market restaurant so definitely go right there you can't miss it but what i go there for is the beignets and you can get those in a bag they're warm and delicious and of course they have seasonal ones and then your traditional ones and so that's a really quick place to grab beignets mint julep bar and then like i said the the new orleans square train station so here's why that's so important, is even though that um, it's not very far from Main Street, it's a quick way to get there. So if you, for example, if you first get to the gates and you're like, you know what, I want to go straight to Pirates of the Caribbean, or I want to go straight to the Haunted Mansion, or Splash Mountain, or, you know, one of your dining locations that I just mentioned, that's a really great station. And we've often done that where we just walked in through the gates and got right on the main street station and took it right to the very first stop at the New Orleans Square station. And then you're right there on that side of things. Don't forget about the train. It's a great way to get around. Plus it's an attraction in and of itself. So anyways, that's right there. And then it brings us to the other major signature item there the Haunted Mansion. And I mean, that's classic, iconic, amazing. The regular version is just as awesome as the holiday version. Yes, the holiday version is different because it's Nightmare Before Christmas and it's just a completely different look and feel. But the traditional is classic and I just love it. And that has a fast pass, so you definitely want to use that, especially during the holidays. And then you want to... Uh, be watching for the wait times. I think that's a, an attraction you want to do first thing in the morning, late at night, or make sure you use your fast pass. It has a pretty long queue line and it kind of wraps there right by the um, train station if it's backed up. Because when you go through the gates, like the front gates of the Haunted Mansion, that's a pretty long queue line in and of itself. So if it's backed up all the way out, beyond the front gates and over by the train station that is a long long queue line the thing about haunted mansion is a lot of people go in at a time so you're not usually waiting too terribly long but when you're you know way back there you've got a little bit of time it's going to take you a little while so definitely utilize your tools to try to make that a shorter wait time fast pass rope drop or after phantasmic and or the fireworks and those are the best times definitely check out the holidays that is really crowded so you definitely want to use your tools there but let's talk a little bit about the attraction so if you've never been there just a quick kind of uh, dive into it so the queue line is really part of the attraction so don't forget to kind of look around you're going through a, a yard that has like uh, tombstones it's like a graveyard and it has uh the tombstones have funny sayings and it's just really cute as you're walking through that uh yard to get up to the front door uh, be looking around your surroundings there's a lot going on there and then once you get up to the door you're going to be ushered into a room uh, by a cast member and it's actually pretty dark it's a circular room and they're going to ask you to kind of go into the center to to move a lot of people in there although who knows what's really going to happen when it opens back up but that was the way it was and then once it was kind of full then the room was stretching they called the stretching room and basically you're in an elevator and it's stretching the, the portraits are getting longer and they're you know they're showing you things you didn't see when it was a shorter picture it's really cool but don't forget to look up like straight up because there's something going on up there as well I don't want to give away too much but it's so easy to focus on the portraits and the you know creepy voice and the music and the lightning and the darkness and it's kind of creepy and 
so many people are going to recite the um, dialogue because it's the same thing over and over again. So you're going to have people like in stereo and echoing around you. So it could be fun, but a little distracting. So be sure to kind of look all around, up and down and all around. So once you go through the stretching room and go through that piece, then you're going to, the doors will open up. And it, I mean, I've been in that ride so many times, I never know which door is going to open up. But anyway, a door is going to open up and then you're going to file out. And it's kind of like everyone's leaving the same exit. So stay close to your party, hold your child's hand or your whoever you're with, because you could easily get lost in the crowd. So you file out and then you're gonna go down this hallway that has these really cool pictures that are kind of holographic, like there's a picture within a picture. So be sure to just look at everything around you. There's so much to see and do in that attraction leading up to the air quotes ride itself. So enjoy that part. And then it's leading you to your doom buggy. And that is on one of, uh, they have these around other attractions too, between the two parks, but it's a, a continuous moving car on a, like on a conveyor belt. And it's one car after the other, and it slows down enough for you to be able to get on. And then it goes, you know, just keeps going. It's supposed to be continuous, but don't be afraid if you need it to stop. Um, it, that is not uncommon on that attraction in general for the doom buggies to stop for a moment and then the ride to kick back up again. And I know people who need extra assistance getting on and off of those cars is what's causing that. So don't be alarmed. It's not breaking down. It's just kind of part of that type of loading and unloading. Sometimes people need more assistance so it will stop the process. It usually takes like, a, you know, maybe 30 seconds to a minute, then it starts up again. But then once you're in the actual doom buggy it's not a super long ride but it's super fun you will go forward and backwards it'll twist you this way and that way you'll get to see all kinds of things there's you know visual effects on both sides of you um you know there's the song there's the bride there's so many iconic things that people look for in that attraction so just really take it all in and then at the very end, you know, you're going to have a special guest in the car with you, a holographic ghost or whatever is going to be in that same doom buggy. That's kind of cool. And then you're going to exit. There's so much that goes on in there. Also, there's smells. Um, there's During the holiday season, they pipe in the smell of gingerbread. So be sure to just take in everything around you. And it's one of those things you want to ride definitely more than once because there's so much to see and do in there and then like I said you're going to get to the end and it's still going to be on that conveyor belt you're going to exit while it's still moving again don't be afraid if you need more time or assistance I you know have a, a mom who needs to do that and they just slow it down and one time they stopped it she got on and off it was easier safer for her it's not a big deal it's just part of being on that attraction in the holiday overlay of Nightmare Before Christmas, it's a completely different set of landscaping. Some similarities, but mostly different. Same concepts, though. Always be around, be aware of your surroundings to get the most out of that attraction. Definitely a must-do. Definitely a little scary for small kids. Keep that in mind. It is an all-ages attraction, but like many others I've talked about in the past, that doesn't mean it's not scary for smaller kids. I mean, it is a haunted mansion, so that can be scary to young ones. Um, but outside the attraction, also, I just kind of wanted to go back there for just a second. There's, there's a lot in that general area that I want to touch on really quick. And then right across the way, which we're going to do that, I think we'll do that next time, is on Tom Sawyer's Island, or I think they call it something else now. I've always called it Tom Sawyer's Island, but I think it's the pirate lair. Um, at any rate, the, the reason I'm bringing it up here right now is because right in front of the Haunted Mansion, slightly between the Haunted Mansion and the um, French Market Restaurant is the um 
raft that will take you over to Tom Sawyer's Island. So I think that can be confusing because the big boats are on the other side near Frontierland, way back where we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean and that Stagecoach Cafe area. Those where the big boats are, right? And so it seems like that's where you would get over to Tom Sawyer's Island. But no, you have to go over by Haunted Mansion between that and French Market. Get on the raft and it'll take you over there. So just want to throw that out there. And then the canoes for that area are also up a little further, closer to Splash Mountain. And Splash Mountain is adjacent to Haunted Mansion. So it's not really intuitive if you're not super familiar. So there you have it. There is the uh, layout of New Orleans Square. Uh, There's shopping. There's wonderful signature. And by signature, I mean like classic dining. There's quick service. There's also carts, I should have mentioned. There's churros and popcorn and sweets and everything right there. That is a extremely popular walkway there. Um, Something also to keep in mind about New Orleans Square is it's a nightmare when Fantasmic is going to start because they have to rope everything off for the viewing. So it's really hard to navigate. I'm very grateful for Galaxy's Edge, which is further down past Splash Mountain, but it does open up a loop to get around to uh, get around Rivers of America and get over to like where Big Thunder is and stuff like that so you don't have to come back and um, go through that chaos. So like before, if you were over on that side and you wanted to go over to Fantasyland, you had no choice but to come back through New Orleans Square. And like I said, during the preparation and the viewing of Phantasmic, that is chaotic. So it's good that you don't have to do that. You can walk kind of around through Galaxy's Edge and get over there that way. So bonus there. So New Orleans Square, can't miss it. It's classic. I hope you enjoyed this. A quick reminder of the things that I'm looking for from you, please, is send me your stories, experiences, memories at Michelle. And that's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at DisneylandDevoted.com. Check out my Instagram, Patreon, and my Facebook posts where I want to generate some dialogue around when you will feel comfortable visiting the Disneyland Resort. I hope you all have a safe and wonderful week. I hope that your life is getting back to normal just a little bit. And until next time, bye. Bye.